0: This is Exponent Philanthropy's catalytic podcast, Conversations with Leaders at Small Foundations. Meet some of the most creative, resourceful, and risk-taking foundation people in the country. Creative, high-impact philanthropy is practiced by donors of all types—foundations, donor-advised fund holders, social venture funders, and collective giving organizations. In this podcast, we visit with Sandy Cook, a leader at one of the women's collective giving organizations around the country, Impact 100 Metro Denver. Hundreds of collective giving organizations have emerged across the U.S. and globally. They offer a structure for individuals to combine resources, support nonprofits, and learn about their community together. Impact 100 Metro Denver is a member of Philanos, an international network representing more than 80 women's collective grant-making groups in 27 states the District of Columbia, Australia, and England. Impact 100 Metro Denver is an independent 501c3. Over 200 women donate $1,000 annually and collectively decide upon three grants, one of $100,000 and two grants between $40,000 and $60,000. The group has a particular goal in its grant making to support transformation in nonprofits, which means asking organizations, what would help your organization work more effectively, taking you to a next level of impact? Within the model, each collective giving organization designs its decision process in a different way. Impact 100 Metro Denver utilizes a grants committee of 30 to 40 members to create and distribute an RFP, review proposals and narrow top candidates, and conduct site visits. The committee chooses three organizations to propose to the full membership for a vote. The organization receiving the most votes receives the largest grant. Our guest, Sandy Cook, has been a leader in women's collective giving for many years. Sandy explores a paradox in the mission that Impact 100 Metro Denver has chosen. To help nonprofits make transformative leaps, a donor needs to fund some of the most unglamorous infrastructure work. Work that nonprofits often don't reveal to donors and foundations. Redesigning space, buying trucks and equipment, investing in new technology, these do not tend to capture the excitement and imagination of donors. But these investments are often the ones that help nonprofits achieve exponentially more impact. Sandy and Impact 100 Metro Denver's special focus on supporting these unglamorous needs has had the effect of inviting other nonprofits and donors in the Denver area to consider the quiet power of investing in infrastructure. In this way, Impact 100 Metro Denver May be influencing the way nonprofits and donors approach philanthropy together. Sandy Cook reflects on her group's approach.
1: Impact 100 Metro Denver is um, a part of really two networks, if you might think about it that way. Uh, Impact 100 uh, model, I use that term uh, rather broadly because each of us, I think, Reflect, make some changes to either our grant making or some of our processes to really reflect what we see going on in the community, what makes sense in the nonprofit community, how big our communities are. But there are 60 uh, Impact 100 model organizations worldwide. There's a pretty significant, interestingly enough, significant presence in New Zealand and Australia. It has caught on there. Um, Philonos is a network of collective giving organizations of all types and there are as many types as you could ever dream of and there we have uh, 80 members all across the country and again outside the U.S. Women's philanthropy has is unique in in many respects. I think one is um, this notion of collective is women tend to, uh, overall, this is probably a generalization, but like the idea of the collaboration, there's just a lot of evidence. there's a lot of research that's been done on women collective women's collective giving through uh, the Lilly Center at the University of Indiana. And what comes through is uh, really the notion of working together, and seeing the power of our collective philanthropy. And especially in an era where early on, I mean, 20 years ago, particularly, um, I mean, women were in the workforce and it was just beginning to, women were taking on greater, more significant roles, earning more money, owning their own philanthropy. And as a result of that, just the joy of of knowing where it's going, what's happening, being involved. I think the second thing is traditionally, if you look at giving circles, there tends to be more of a connection to our grantees after the grant. This may be a generalization, but I see that in many of our affiliates with Philanose and other Impact 100 groups is we tend to stay connected uh, to volunteer or help on a special project or end up on the boards of those collective, of of those nonprofits. So I think it's just a greater sense of involvement and connection and uh, a real keen interest in learning about philanthropy generally and the organizations that we fund. Impact 100 uh, nationally, internationally as an entity part of the early definition of the, the work was to, re, to fund transformational uh, initiatives of nonprofits. And that's all that was said. And that's all that we still say. And clearly that makes for some uncomfortableness, I think among nonprofits at times, is that we, we don't explain it more than that, other than to say, you know, as a, an entity, what would make, there's different ways we, we explain it, but here's what I think is helpful to people, is what would help you do your work better, more effectively, with greater impact, and or, what would take you to the next level as an organization? So for example, if you look at your, your, if you have a strategic plan, what's in there that you say, if only we had the resources, this is what we would tackle or would enable us to serve our community better. So it really relies on the work of, the entity and honors that they know what that looks like for them and so you you trust that they they know that I mean they've said this is what's uh, and very often is something in their in their plan or it's something to solve a problem that they see in their organization that is a challenging one that they haven't been able figure out what to do with, and so they're they're experimenting or testing ideas. So it's interesting, even though I wouldn't say that we're in the sort of the forefront of trust-based philanthropy, in some respects we sort of are, because we said, you tell us what it looks like and why and how you're going to get there. And I can share some examples, but that's the big frame that we use in our work. The Rocky Mountain Mental Health Center, and they are uh, an entity that handles, they have a significant phone bank system, crisis management system, all handled by phone. Uh, So where individuals can call in, in crisis, and they can get referrals and that sort of thing. So it's a fairly common model. And their struggle was turnover of staff. As you can imagine, that is your day, is call after call of people in crisis. And they had done some research and they tried different things in hiring and timing of the time on the phone and various things. And they came across some some research that said the space that call centers operate in can either help you or really get in the way of of your your team uh, being effective, staying, staying the course. So that's what they proposed. It was a really unusual request is to redesign their call center the funding to redesign and redo their call center. And they did get, they were voted in the top three. They received a $50,000 grant. I believe it was at the time. And um, it just so happened that one of our members happened to be familiar. From, this is just a coincidence with the notion of call centers and had designed some. And they after the, Group received the award, the woman went to them and said, I'd be glad to help you as a volunteer. Look at the proposal. And there may be ways to, to redesign it because if you had expected it to cost $100,000 and you have fifty dollars or sixty, let me help you. And they did. The latest news we got actually a few weeks ago is this entity is now Going to is expanding their call center significantly to respond to calls from across the state. What is interesting, there is a theme pretty much across all of them, and we joke about it a little bit, but it's not funny, frankly. We talk about we've funded a lot of trucks and machines and things like that. Um, but I think it, what it has done is nonprofits who've had an idea. Of something that wasn't programmatic that they would have they would be considered. Because a lot of funders, and I think this is changing too, um, And I think in a case of collective giving, one of the things that we've maybe helped our members understand, is funding one more program is just one more program that that organization has to maintain over years and get more money for. But if you can fund infrastructure, if you can fund getting the work done that you do, but getting it done better, it is much more sustainable. It builds a sustainable organization. So any of these, I mean, I I look at um, Maria Drost Counseling Mental Health Center it, you know, we funded uh, telehealth, mental health. They did know that that's where they needed to go, but it just so happened the funding came in the first year of COVID. And then they were able to implement it and make a huge difference in serving their clients through COVID and going forward. So I think that's the in, what what other nonprofits see that we will be receptive to a proposal that isn't creating a new initiative. I think we would, clearly. It just has helped these organizations say, we have ideas of how we can do better what we do. And a lot of it requires different infrastructure. And I think coming out of COVID particularly, and you think about all the nonprofits that did not have technological infrastructure; they have really hurt and hurt.
0: Our podcast with Sandy Cook continues in part two. Please join us. Look for new catalytic podcasts each month. Meet more creative funders. Benji Rue does the audio engineering and mixing. Our website is by Kwok Lee. Our music is by O Future. The Catalytic Podcast is made possible by grants from two Exponent members, the 1772 Foundation and the Blackstone Ranch Institute. I'm your producer and host, Andy Carroll. Thanks for listening. Join us next time.